Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Devin Leary. This is Carolina Barlow. We couldn't be more excited today to share our guest with our listeners because we both got so much out of reading her book recently and we can't wait to benefit from her words of wisdom and we know all of you will too. So our guest today is Kia Brown. She is a journalist, author, studying actress, and screenwriter, the recipient of Ulta Beauty's Muse 100 Award. Huge Ulta fan here, so I'm deeply impressed. (laughs) Um, It's a celebration of 100 inspirational voices around beauty. She's one of the Roots 100 most influential African-Americans of 2018. Kia is the creator of the viral hashtag, hashtag disabled and cute, which some of you may remember. Her work has appeared in Town and Country Magazine, Teen Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Marie Claire UK, and the New York Times, people. Ever heard of her? (laughs) Okay. New York Times. Among other publications. Her debut essay collection, The Pretty One, is out now, which I truly, 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 truly cannot recommend enough. Best book I've read this year. (gasps) Indeed. And her debut picture book, Sam Super Seats will be out fall 2022 via Cochlea Books. I think yes. that's how you say that. More up my alley in length. That's all I'll say, Kia, <laughs> is that I think Sam Super Seats is my ideal length for a book. Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Welcome, Kia. Thank you for joining us Thank today. Thank you so much, Kia. Thank you both for having me. Wow, you made me sound so cool. In that you intro. are naturally so I'll cool. I mean... <laughs> Uh, doing research for this interview, I was like, okay, she's in Harper's Bazaar. Okay, there she is in L. Okay, is she doing our podcast for real? 
or is this a Anna Delvey situation where um, it's going to be oh someone God. else pretending to be Kia Brown? I was just Ooh, watching that show. I can't. I, I, I couldn't get through the trailer. It's the accent. It's just not The accent me. is tough. You mean the Borat accent? <laughs> <laughs> My wife. My wife. I just, it's yeah. not, I can't. Oof. It, it's a little much. It's a little... I don't know. I'm also like the band of pals at like the journalism publication is a little unrealistic seeming to me. I don't know. They're like, hey, you got a story? Let's all get around it. Um, I know normally people are like, you are breathing loudly in the cubicle. Can you please be quiet? I can't think right now. Can you not? Yeah, please. Yeah, I don't I don't know about journalistic office culture because I freelance. So I do it from home. But, right. but that does seem very unrealistic. Writing articles is very isolated. So right. it's just like, that's wild to me. The idea that you yeah. have the cast of Scandal around helping you uh, write <laughs> your piece. Okay, so we, we, we had this question for later, but since we're on the subject, mm -hmm. Shondaland is obviously a big part of uh, American culture and Devin and Maya's lives. I've watched every episode of Grey's Anatomy including the musical episode, which was hard for me. <laughs> and are you a fan of Grey's Scandal, et cetera? Yes. I, I think I mentioned it in the book. I'm, I'm very much a Shondaland fan. I think I watched full stop the first 10 seasons of Grey's and then I sort of fell off when Christina left. And so now I get like I bits and pieces of it. But I think that like her ability to tell stories about people and places and things and make them feel real, feel like they are just as valuable as people that we always see is so, it's special to me because I think even if something is, isn't is for me, like the Anna Delvaney thing, that's not for me specifically. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I like the, I like the fact that what they do over there at Shondaland is tell stories about people that, you know, either we know and love or we can hate and appreciate. And so, I don't know, I'm a big fan of Shondaland, basically is what I'm saying, yeah. yes. <laughs> what are your favorite Shondaland romances or your number one Ooh, favorite? Um, well, I've always said that my favorite love story on Grey's Anatomy was Meredith and Christina. Always like okay, oh, love. Wow. To yeah. me, they really were it, and I think that like you're my person. Yeah, what Grey's Anatomy did really well when Christina was on the show was showcase the importance of friendship and the importance of like having someone outside of somebody that you're sleeping with be the person that you can depend on. Mm -hmm. um, right. So I love them. I also really love. Um, I forget her husband's name. Bailey, Bailey, and her yeah. husband. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're yes. really cute. Um, I really, I really liked Alexi and Mark, and I was so sad. I was. Oh, I was really sad by that too. Oh, I was so. I was gutted. I was like, "Don't kill them." What do you mean? They're dead. No. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, the teach me scene is up there in parts of my sexual awakening. Period. <laughs> That's a mood, a vibe. No, I think, I think that yeah, those. Those three couples were it for me. And I know that, like, technically, Christina and Mary don't count as a couple, but they're a couple of badasses, so it's fine. Yeah. I love that so much. 
I completely hear that. Devin and I talk about that a lot. Like we're best friends and I'm always like, whenever we're talking about guys, it's like, but Devin's sort of my wife. Yeah. Or like soulmate. And also like the person that, or Carolina is one of the people that makes me feel like no matter what happens in my love life, I I'm good. I have someone like I'm taken care of, but also I think it's interesting you say that because I feel like the most viral phrase from the whole sensation that is Grey's Anatomy is you're my person which came out of that relationship like no one's really still talking about phrases that were exchanged between her and McDreamy so I really do think that their friend romance is the most iconic uh, partnership in the show I agree I think that it's really special and I feel like what I always do is make sure that like because friendships matter so much to me. I'm very cheesy. Like, I'm, I'm a very cheesy person. I'm just going to say that outright. But my friends are some of my favorite people in the entire world. And they're the people that I go to when, I ha- when I'm having a bad day. Or they're the people that I want to call first. And I just think that, like, we don't see enough of that even now. I, yeah. I, I think it was really groundbreaking when the show yeah. started to have them have these women who are just, like, so sure of what they want. So, um, mm-hmm. so, uh eager in their careers and they're not giving up parts of themselves in order to compete with the idea that like oh there can only be one of us it was like no uh christina comes first christina was in the bed with (laughs) with mary and 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 derek and it's just like christina is her person and i just think that that is so beautiful because we don't talk enough about how life-changing friendships can be Mm -hmm. i totally agree agree I mean, and I talk about that with Devin a lot too, like this idea of soulmate, you know, and fate. And that's always prescribed to romantic relationships. But I think a lot about like the night I met Devin that felt so random. I know. Sort of one of those things where it's like, oh, like if a couple of missteps or I I didn't go that night and I wouldn't have met her. And and, and it's definitely as important, if not more important than those moments in romance because- I remember a boyfriend once said to me, like, well, I feel like we should go to each other if, like, we ever have, like, something we're struggling with. And I was like, oh, I go to Devin. <laughs> wait, you're like, wait, wait a minute. You I was like, wait. It. You're like, I, I don't have think that you want already. Right. Like, I have yeah, that. exactly. I want that for you. It's just not going to be me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, when, when do we start doing that? Um, Well, yeah, let's talk about that because you write a lot about your friendships and the joys and challenges within them. And mm-hmm. and uh, we want to discuss this because we get a lot of listener um, questions about friendship. Yeah. Yeah, I think, for example, in your book, In the Pretty One, you talk about a challenge that can arise, I think, that all of us can relate to where friends friends get into a relationship while you are single and either like get sucked into the relationship and kind of stop showing up for the friendship or they kind of disregard um, your perspective when talking about relationships. Like uh, I know in my experience, it's like people saying like, Oh, I wish I had more time alone. And you're like, no, but like I spent all my time alone. So you don't really. Um, (laughs) So the stuff you wrote about in your book was just so relatable that I wanted to ask what the best advice about friendships is that you have that you would give to our listeners who write in. Yeah, no, I mean, I, Oh God, people are like, Oh my God, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Shut up. Shut, shut up. First of all, don't, like, just don't bring that here. Yeah, don't yeah, do just that. Don't. don't do that. It's not cute. I think my best advice is like, 
remember that your friends matter just as much and don't put all your eggs in one basket. I find, and yeah. I used to have this, I mean, we're, I, we're still friendly, but I used to have this friend and I think that's who I was talking about when I wrote the book where she would like, like we would do everything together, right? And then she would get in a relationship and I would just would never right. hear from her. Never wanted to hang out, never wanted to do anything. If she wanted to, it was with her boyfriend. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do things with you and your boyfriend. That's right. just not, I, I don't want to go do shopping that. with your boyfriend. And so, <laughs> right, right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about what's he doing here. Yeah. With your boyfriend. I just don't. And, um, I think my biggest piece of advice is like, when the boy or the girl, if you're queer, goes away, your friends are going to be there. Don't, don't come looking for your friends after you break up. Right. Put somebody to talk to. Make sure that you're nurturing those relationships while right. you're in your relationships because those also take work. I think people forget that like good friendships also take time and you have to put yeah. effort into them. And it's not just like, oh, okay, I'm going to drop you off and then when I'm ready, you'll be there. Like that's just not how it works. Right, you have right, to put in right. the effort for your friends like the same way that you do your relationships, your romantic relationships. Totally. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, early, like in my college years, did that where I just dropped a bunch of friends because I was in a relationship and and was just so, you know, scared and, and felt like this was my one chance at love. So I had to put everything into it. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, when we broke up and I had absolutely no one except my dear family, I had to go on this apology tour, <laughs> right? Where oh I was like, God. hey, again, okay, so... <laughs> You were right. He turned out to be kind of a bad situation. Uh, do you want to hang out? And I mean, the heartbreaking part was that everyone's lives had kept moving. So they were like, well, yeah, now I have this job. And I was like, oh, you do? Congrats. Yeah. You know, and it was like there was so much catching up to do. Um, and I'm grateful that, you know, those people made time and were forgiving. But it, it definitely was to my own detriment. And um, I I mean, this is the fascinating part is I didn't I didn't know that it was a waste of time until yeah until it was I, over. That I was waste yeah exactly exactly. Um, I also think that like the the people who whose relationships I look up to have full independent lives. So it's like you said, like it's not all their eggs in one basket. They they can do their own thing most of the time, but also are in in a relationship because I think that leads to like healthy relationships but yeah it's i it's really helpful to hear what you said about uh putting as much effort into the friendships as you do other relationships because i remember once like i didn't get invited to this person's birthday party this was many years ago and i was really hurt about it and then when i asked a mutual friend who was going or I, I didn't even ask her. I just was venting about it. And she was like, well, when was the last time you called that person? Like, when was the last time you <laughs> showed up for them? Mm -hmm. And that kind of changed my perspective where I was like kind of taking friendships for granted. But yeah, it's like you want to be for the other person what you expect them to be for you. Right. I think that oftentimes what I find, and I guess I'm biased because I'm a person who's never actually been in a relationship. So like, but for me, I find that when somebody just drops off the face of the earth because they're like in love, like I'm happy for you. But at the same time, I'm not going to stop living my life because right. you are happy. You're like, I, I want you right. to be happy, but I'm not going to wait for you. And then and then it's funny to me because I, I know people who 
they'll get in the relationship and they won't talk to you and they won't like make time and then they want to complain about something that their partner did and so they'll come to you and they'll be like and then he did it right. and i'm like i haven't heard from you in months <laughs> who They're are like, you ah. yeah i don't know you yeah, yeah. like yeah. i don't i don't know you anymore and i think to, <laughs> like i don't know who you are anymore and so i feel like for me it's always been important to make sure that the people that i want in my life know that they matter because mm-hmm. at 2 a.m do i really have a significant other that i can call more than I can call my best friend Ashley. Like, like, do I really have somebody who's going to show up for me the way that my friends will? Right. right. Devin and I always make fun of like people's wedding posts when they're like, I can't believe I'm marrying my best friend. And we always go like, you're not. <laughs> I know. Also, oh my God. I just watched all of the first season. I mean, the second season of Love is Blind. Mm-hmm. So they all like just met these people. I'm assuming like two weeks prior and they're like, so she's my best friend. And like, although we have conflicts, like I know we're still going to get married because we're best friends. I'm like, have you never met another person before? Like, how is this your best friend after two weeks? It's like, <laughs> you know what I always think about? It's like when somebody says, oh, my God, I made my best friend. And it's their actual best friend in the maid of honor dress, just like standing next to them. Right, the right, exactly. Being like, like, what was I? Chopped liver? Like, yeah. Why did I spend $200 on this dress? Please yeah. tell me. Why did I play this entire wedding for you? But, exactly. But Got it. Cool. Right. Cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's so true. I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. 
It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Well, uh, to jump back, it was just announced that you are releasing a YA book, The Secret Summer Promise. Obviously, the YA genre is very important to Devin and I as two indoor girls, what was yeah exactly i was like we devin and i both hate the sun with a passion and like it was really like a unifying factor what led you to write it i've always 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 wanted to do fiction in fact i thought i was gonna do fiction first i was like oh yeah i'm gonna write this book it's gonna be great it's gonna be wonderful and my literary agent was like hey so maybe you should write an essay collection first but i always knew that fiction was going to be, you know, a part of it. And I just kept thinking about the kinds of books I wish I had at that age. And I was like, you know, I came out late in life, right? So I was like, I want to make sure that it's like very queer (laughs) first off. And I want to tell a story about um, a Black disabled girl just trying to figure it out and have the best summer of her life. And I wrote a first draft of it, like in a complete finished book in third person spoiler alert it's not in third person and so (laughs) the editor that i'm working with at levine Pierdo, he found my website and read every one of my articles and then he found he found my literary agent's contact and was like has kia ever thought about writing um ya and yeah it was wild right amazing and so my literary agent was like you're in luck because she's currently working on something and i sent him the first five pages of the book that I had originally written in third person to him. And he was like, I want it, but I want it in first person. So I had to to go back and rewrite it and rearrange some things so that it made sense in first person. But yeah, it was, I would have never thought that was going to happen, but I'm so glad. That's so interesting, (laughs) that change. Like it makes it so much more personal, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think, it's so funny because I love first person, right? But I assumed that I wasn't good at it. So I was like, I'm going to do this in third person. We'll see what happens, right? We'll just see how this goes. But something shifted in those first pages when I made it into first person. Um, it felt like more relatable. And also mm-hmm. it allowed me to put myself in the main character's shoes. You know, she's she's desperate to have the best summer of her life and she's falling in love with her best friend and she doesn't know how to handle that and I'm like I've never been in love with my best friend I don't know what that's like right so um it really allowed me to be like what would that feel like to be in love with your best friend and what would it feel like to question that and also make sure that you're doing things that you created this list with your best friend and you want to make sure that you're doing all these things and you're having the best time ever but also you're hiding your feelings now, I have been in an unrequited love situation, but mm-hmm. but this is a completely different thing. So it really allowed me doing it in first person to step into uh, my main character's shoes and see 
but that would be right to remember what it's like to be that young and make and feel like everything is um really intense all the time like everything matters mm-hmm. and it's the end of the world if x doesn't happen you know <laughs> right oh my gosh gosh yeah i mean talk about unrequited love is just a theme in both Devin and my life and and we talk about it Same. a lot and like <laughs> yeah it's just it, in ways and i i just identified so much in the pretty one when you talk about like living in fantasy like how i've like planned these like romantic mm-hmm. fantasies for myself so clearly and and when i listen to music it's like okay so this is the song that plays when he apologizes and we kiss right. and it's like you know so clear and um but it, but that is like so romantic to me still. yeah no it's like same i i mean you know you read the book so you so you know what i'm talking about but like i will i'm so into creating the idea of a fantasy of somebody and something that like i will also create fantasies where we argue and we fight and like i get myself <laughs> right, upset right i'm like why are you doing this didn't actually yeah. happen but like yeah yeah i will i will do that too we're out like we're arguing and like you said this is the song that's playing when we make up this is right you know what yeah, i'm yeah, wearing yeah. this is where it happens you know all these like meat cutes in fantasy but isn't it interesting and i wonder if you did it because i did that when i was i i still do it but i also remember like being young and being kind of awkward and i did it all the time oh yeah like I was totally one of those kids who played Barbies until I was 14. And Devin, we don't even, you know, you don't need to speak because we know that you were talking to dogs until you were like fully 16. Okay. But, Come um, on, Eliza Thornberry. Yes. I, I oh, love Eliza is, Thornberry so that is much. Very much Devin Leary. But I, but I also <laughs> think it's so interesting that all three of us are writers mm-hmm. and that is how we think. And especially with love stories, it's like I almost want to write my love story in real time as opposed to living it. And I think that's such a that that's so much like reflects a writer's brain mm-hmm. that you're sort of, you know, as much as you're living life, we're so obsessive. And I don't want to say that we're neurotic, but we're also watching it from like the narrator's point yeah, of view. Yeah, you like want to erase paragraphs of it and be like, no, this would be better here. Like you're trying. Yeah, to, you're trying to predict it before it happens because. Also, with writers, creation is safety, you know? Mm-hmm. We feel safer when we're crafting these fantasies that make so much sense to us because the real life is messy. You know, real life, we can't control how something turns out or what someone says or how they say it or what they do or what we wear. In our fantasies, we can absolutely do that. And there's mm-hmm. no chance of us, you know, getting hurt there, like truly hurt. And so it's easier to be like, oh, I'm going to meet this person at a wedding and we're going to talk about cheesecake and they're going to ask me to dance or I'm going to meet this person in an elevator and it stops on the wrong floor, but we just keep talking. You know what I mean? Like it's so easy to come up with these scenarios where somebody's going to sweep us off our feet and avoid the awkwardness and the sort of pain that comes with dating in real life. Totally. I relate so much to what you're saying and it reminds me of this this unrequited crush I had in high school with this guy that I I truly never spoke a sentence to like I just (laughs) saw him from afar and my fantasies were always that like I would become his friend first and then because of my personality he would like fall in love with me and 
somehow like I was like, he's just going to get to know me and then he'll like me because it just he has to get past the way I look and whatever. And I would always fantasize about like us like accidentally falling like we're hanging out and we accidentally fall asleep. And then like the next morning, like I wake up and I'm like, oh, sorry, like this is what I look at look like without makeup on. And he's like, you look beautiful anyway. So one that was all in fantasy. One day I'm walking down the hallway at school and he's staring at me. And I was like, wait, this is actually coming true. Like, how is this possible? And I felt so like, I was like, oh my God, like, I'm so glad I wore this outfit today. Like he's staring at me. And then I go in the bathroom. I had eaten a fudgesicle at lunch and there was chocolate smeared all over my face, like truly. And that's why he was staring. And it was so crushing. Like I was like, I wanted to go home from school early because I was like, I just, (laughs) the high and then the low of that. You're like, I'm getting homeschooled. Oh no, we would have been such good friends in high school because (laughs) I, I absolutely had a crush on this kid who like, he did not like me back. Like I, I, I think that he was like, he would do the thing where you're like, oh I, I don't like you like that whatever but mm-hmm. then like act like he did in private oh, and right. it, was yeah. like, it was like one of those things Nightmare. and so I just remember getting so excited when I would walk down the hall and he would stare at me and I would think this is yeah. it you know this is going to be the time where he can quote unquote look past all these things that are wrong with me and be yeah. like yeah I mean like you know when prom rolls around you're like this is going to be it he's going to um, yeah. he's going to ask me to prom and it's gonna be, it's gonna be everything, you know. And it'd be like really harsh lights. It's gonna be perfect. And and I think it's so funny because there have been plenty of times, especially in high school, when I would like think that I was looking real good, right? Like I was like, oh, I look good right now. And then I'd have like a piece of toilet paper stuck to my shoe, or yep, like, right, right, you know, <laughs> uh, un- uncannily large booger in my nose, or something yes. like that, where it's like girl, you're not doing what you think that you're doing. It's not going to work out for you. But I absolutely had that, like, oh, we're going to fall asleep together accidentally after studying fancy for sure. (laughs) I love that you talked about that relationship in your book uh, with the guy who was, like, both, like, being hot and cold. Mm -hmm. Because I totally had that in high school. And I think it happens to girls a lot. And the only narratives we hear about it are around guys. And guys being like, I'm friend zone, dude. But I always talk about it. Like, Devin and I talk about it. Like, I was like, I was friend zoned all the time. All the time. And then I was always, like, this, like, I, I was, like, to the point where I was like, can you not like me for my personality? Like, can I just get objectified for a second? As crazy as that sounds, but I was just like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to be funny or like interesting right now. I just want to be like, like the, like the girl, I, you know what I mean? Like, I I just want, I I want someone to see past my personality. Um, and just go straight to like, I I guess I, it was just one of those things where I I definitely had relationships like that with guys where I was like, wait, so if you like hanging out with me so much, can we make out? And <laughs> I was so confused whenever that didn't happen. And like you ended up coming to the conclusion, I finally realized like, oh, when I like someone, I'm very attentive. I'm very like warm. Um, I pay them a lot of compliments and some guys just like that and like don't want anything else and so I finally realized like oh you just like the feeling when you're around me because like I give a lot of myself but you don't want to give anything back right 
Oh my gosh, we would have been the three of us. We would have. We would been... have. I felt that though reading your book the whole time. I was like, it was so like she. It's so like cliche to be like, okay, I think this person's like my friend. But like, there were so many parts of your book that I was like, yep, yep, yeah, yep. yep, yeah. No, I mean, I just wow, we would have been besties because yeah, I think that it, it's so funny to be that person that like not funny and haha, but funny and I can't believe I live like this way. Where it's like you're the person that these people that you really like, they go to you because they need the ego boost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, objectification is terrible, like you know, catcalling, terrible, all of it. But when but... you've never had, when you've never <laughs> had that, you're like, I just want somebody to be like, she's hot, you know? Like I, I oh yeah, I, I like her because she's hot, not because exactly. she's funny, not because she's cool. None of that. Just let me be hot, right? Like that's just let me be hot. For, like, uh, hot. yeah, no, totally. I completely understand it. And, uh, yeah, me and my friends would joke about that all the time. We we're like, we want to be hot, and then you realize she's funny. Right. We don't want to be funny, and then you like, okay, I kind of see something cute about this. Right. Girl. Like, like no. I want there to be layers for you to actually peel back. Like, oh, she's yeah, she's hot right. at first glance, but she's also funny and smart. Yeah, like, exactly. Let that be later. I don't. Yeah, a thousand percent. <laughs> well, since you're writing this YA book and you talk about, you write a lot about your younger teen self and the pretty one, mm-hmm. what would be your main advice to your younger self in, in regards to love? Because one thing I loved about reading your book is in instead of sort of the classic memoir slash essay collection style of writing about like what you've learned, what I thought about your uh, stories was you were talking a lot about unlearning things, like things that like society has instilled in us that we actually have to take back and like strip away. Yeah. I mean, ooh, thank you. I just feel like I really got the book. I, I love that. I think that the idea that you should love yourself before somebody else loves you makes you want to throw up. I hate it. And I talk about it in the book. Like, Love shouldn't be conditional in that way. And it shouldn't be that I have to be perfect before someone decides to like grace me with their time and attention. And I think um, I talk a lot of, to my younger self in the book and, and I talked to her about like knowing her worth more than she did. Like I think at, the, at that time I was taking, I would have taken anything that was offered to me. Like I would have been like, oh, you're mean to me. 98% of the time, but nice to me. Those other two, I'm in. I'm so I'm in. Please, totally. please choose me, pick me, love me, Meredith voice. And yeah, oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, choose me, pick me, love me. I, yes. like, I would have just taken whatever. But I think the older I get, even though it's not like I have people knocking down my door, like nobody's like, you know, Kia's just gorgeous and she's funny and she's smart and I want to be with her. What I think that I know now that my younger person, my younger self didn't, was that like, you can still have self-worth without somebody loving you romantically. And the thing that I, I, I wish that I could tell my younger self is like, girl, just because these boys don't like you and you want them desperately to, doesn't mean that your life isn't going to be worthwhile because right. 10 years from now, you're going to be out here, okay? And you're going to be writing books and, and, and doing all these things that you never thought possible. And yeah, I mean, of course, I still want someone to love me, ideally. But I think what I didn't know then that I know now is that I'm worthy of it regardless. It's not like I needed 
them specifically to tell me that I was wor- worthy. Um, now I, I felt like I needed it then, but but now I don't think I need some boy or some girl or some gender non-conforming person to tell me that I hold value for me to know that I actually do. Uh, yeah, I loved how you said that in the book, like uh, like guys you liked without even knowing them really or liking them, but because you were looking for that self-worth, which I think a lot of I, I've had friends and just seen a lot of people struggle with is going after guys. And it's like, but do you know them? Yeah. Not really. But you're looking for that like puzzle piece <clears throat> of like, well, now I know I'm OK. And it reminds me of um, a book I was reading where, you know, uh, someone was talking about feeling lonely and. I think the author was saying like, do you have to be lonely or can you just know I want to be loved? And it's like, can we take out all the self, like, can we take out anything related to myself and just like, no, like I'm not broken. I'm not at a deficit, but I want to be loved. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that. And I think it was you, Devin, who said like, you had a crush on somebody, but you didn't really know. Right. At all. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you anything about his personality. <laughs> right, nothing. I didn't. I think I. I didn't know anything really about the guy that I was crushing on in high school. I just knew that he was cute, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna find my validation and my worth there. And because he doesn't like me, I'm worthless. And it's like, mm-hmm. do, would you even like him if you knew anything about him? A thousand percent. Right. Like, w- would he? Be and then the one you wake though? up like dating these people, and you wake up and like six months in, and you're like not only do I not know you, but like, I'm almost positive. I really don't like you. Right. You're like, I don't know. I don't like what I'm getting from you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a writer. I wrote this thing in my head mm-hmm. and like, I, I realized that like, I'm dating that person. Yeah. You're like, you were supposed to do this and say this and it was supposed to be like this. And it's just never, yeah. it never is. Like, I think I, I've only ever been in like two situationships. Right. And the way that I wrote them was so much better than the way that they were. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the things that were said to me in my head and like the way it all panned out was so much better than it actually did. And I think it's because I liked the idea of these people and the way I felt when somebody finally said, you know what, Kia, I think that you're attractive. I, I find value in who you are physically right that i was like oh this is this is everything i've ever wanted like you know and and i didn't realize that i was talking to these people who just were not right for me you know they were not the way that they communicated the things they said to me like all of that i ignored because i was like i liked i liked waking up in the morning to text messages from someone i like i like feeling like i hold value and it was like fresh after i came out and i was like this is it guys like I'm this is this is my only chance and and so mm-hmm. I was I was just like taking abuse that I would never let my friends do you know what I mean I was I was right. like doing all these things that I would always tell my friends don't do that like you're worth more than that because I was so desperate for mm-hmm. it to last and for it to matter and for somebody to say yes Kia you're good right. enough that by the time that they were both over I was like I'm like in therapy weeping and I'm like, is this what it's like? Like, are yeah, right. we supposed to be like this? And she was like, and my therapist was like, no, it, I, no, it's not supposed to make you feel like your good and bad days depend on what one person says. Right. Yeah. And it, that's such a hard thing to absorb. 
Yeah, I was like, I, I fought her the entire way. Like she, because she obviously she's a professional, so she knew pretty early on that neither of these things were actually that healthy or like worthwhile. But she was like, you had to. I I couldn't be like, don't do this because I'm your therapist. I'm not your friend. And I would hide right. things from my friends so that they wouldn't so that they wouldn't be like, right. yep. this isn't right. You know, I yep. was very much like, no, this is my only chance. Like it's either these two people at these two separate times or nothing. And there's a part of me that right. still feels that way. Um, of course but yeah i was like i was doing a lot of like hiding things from my friends and not talking about what it was really like and just they would ask me questions and i would like evade them and or i would slip up and say something and then immediately defend oh yeah yes, i'm number one defender of anyone i'm dating mm-hmm. You're like, they, i'm like they didn't mean it that way they were just having a bad day it wasn't supposed to be like that and they'd be like actually that's really terrible I'm like no 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 you don't understand no, 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 no. Mm. Yeah, and then you're like, I regret telling you anything. <laughs> I should have never yeah, said you're anything. like, wait, so you're against me now. I was asking yeah. you for help, and now you're against me. Right. Um, I really, really deeply appreciated the, uh, that aspect of your book that you wrote about this journey to loving yourself while also being completely honest and vulnerable about your desire to still be loved by someone else because I am someone who's extremely hard on myself already and I feel like a lot of the common discourse around self-love can almost make me a lot harder on myself because I'm like wait so like then I'm not supposed to want these other things like why am I so superficial that I want someone to like me back why do I think I have to have a boy why am I jealous at my at my friend's weddings why am I getting freaked out that my friends are having kids now like I shouldn't be like that I should be sure and I just think that that's another form of the opposite of self-love, which is like this like kind of self-loathing cycle. And I loved in your book how you were so vulnerable and talked about stuff that I definitely related to and and think probably most people could relate to of like, yeah, I'm working on myself. I'm I love myself. But first of all, that's like a fluctuating thing and mm-hmm. not every day is perfect. And second of all, like that doesn't mean I don't want still other things or outside things. Right. Like I've always I've always been mine, right? I want to also be someone else's. Right. Like I've, I've always been with me, but I want to be, you know what I mean? Like, I've always had to be with myself, and I want to be somebody else's. And I think I said that in a poem or something. But I but I do. I think that we live in a culture that's like, oh, you cannot value romantic love because that means that you're superficial and mm-hmm. you don't care about anything else. And it's like, surprise. I can care about multiple things because I am a fully realized human being. And I think that there's nothing (laughs) wrong with working to love yourself and also wanting somebody else to love you too. Like there's just, Mm -hmm. to me, I think the, the sort of self-love culture that has been created is like only love you and only care about how you see yourself. And it's like, yeah, I, I care about how I see myself and I work really hard every day to find worth in, in, in me and in my body and in, you know, my everyday life. But I also would just really like to share my life with someone. Mm, and I don't think yeah. that that makes anyone less of who they are and less sure of themselves just because they want to be loved by somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really glad that you resonated with that part of the book because that to me is the, is my, well, that in the music essay, but the, but that theme to me is really important because so often and it's even the people that love me the most are always like you know that person is out there and they're gonna 
they're gonna see past your disability and they're gonna love you anyway and it's like i don't want somebody who has to see past no my disability do you know how much work that is like i'm like this every day you're gonna get it every day i'm gonna get up from a chair i'm gonna i'm gonna walk with a limp i'm gonna have to take breaks my knee is gonna mm-hmm. ache i'm gonna have to schedule pt appointments like that comes with this package and i don't need you to see past it i need you to respect it and keep it moving if you can't do that that's not a me problem that's a you problem and that took mm-hmm. years for me to recognize that, like, it wasn't a compliment when somebody would be like, oh, you know, I don't even think of you as disabled because I am disabled. So you're not yeah, thinking you're like, about it is yeah. not the compliment that you think it is. Um, it reminds me of Lena Dunham on Girls when she's dating Donald Glover and she's like, I don't even think of you as black. And he's like, well, I am black. Right. So that's weird. <laughs> she's like, I don't even see color. And he's like, you don't see that I'm black. But I love that part of your book. I um, have suffered uh, a lot of physical trauma on the left side of my body. Mm -hmm. And so I was so it was so helpful to read your book and think about all this. Like I had so many of the similar thoughts like, wait, I don't want to be in the disabled community. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want to like I don't want to talk like that because uh, like you wrote, like I I I don't want anyone's pity because that makes me feel inferior and I already feel inferior and and then like one of my favorite lines in your book is when you're like disability is not a dirty word and you write like say it with me disability is not a dirty word and sorry to keep quoting you but (laughs) you later say like i don't have it verbatim but you say like the only problem with disability is that the world isn't adjusted to us like the world doesn't isn't giving us room but it's not like our deficit it's not our problem right because that's that's the way that a lot of people in larger societal uh, in the larger societal way and, and like in the rooms where things can happen view it is like disability is the fault of the disabled person and it's like right, no right no disability is not the fault of the disabled person disability is the fault of the you know inaccessible buildings and and, and these these policies in place that tell us that we're less than because we're disabled despite the fact that the issue here is that you have not designed things for us you know like we're customers in society too. We buy clothes just like everybody else, pots, pans, whatever you name it. Like, yeah, it's wild to me that we live in a society that's like, oh, you're disabled. That's a problem for you. You're an eyesore to us. Please fix yourself if you can't hide away. And it's like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I spent way too long doing that. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be here. And if you don't like it, that's on you. Like, I can't, I can't spend any more time trying to tamper myself down or Mm. tuck myself away to make somebody else comfortable. It's like when people are like, oh my God, you're not disabled. You're you're differently able. You're handicapable. You're just, you know, you're just not, you just have special needs. It's like, no, 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 none of that. I am disabled. Say the word because I'm not here for your euphemisms because you're uncomfortable. My my comfort matters more to me than your discomfort. And it has right. to do because otherwise I wouldn't survive. If I spent every day worrying about how a non-disabled person thought of me as a disabled person, I would never get out of bed. I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yeah, just because it goes along with what you just said, I also want to touch on one of my favorite parts of your book and, and something that I haven't heard expressed by anyone before, which was your fear and anger around pity. It's so wild to me even now how we strip every ounce of power and autonomy from people who are ill or um, disabled in any way. And, and it's because society as a whole has no idea what to do with a confident ill or disabled person right? right they have no idea what they're doing and, and how to do it they they view our lives as what we lost right and they view their lives as what they could lose right mm. they, because they don't see disability or illness in any way as a value as a value to life we're cautionary tales and Instead of letting us be fully realized people who have lives that they enjoy and love and care about, we're cautionary tales. We're, we're what could happen, you know? Mm. At least my life isn't as bad as X, Y, and Z person. Like, they literally, that's the foundation that inspiration porn is built Ugh, on. Yeah. You know? I'm so sick of going on TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and seeing, like, good news of the day. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> person with cp which i also have walks up the stairs you know like person right. with cp carries mug for the first time and it's like 
And you're like, well, I was published in Harper's Bazaar, but continue. So, but, but go ahead. Okay. New Times. You know, I had, a, I, had a, I had a Times byline, but sure. Um, and it's like, no shade, obviously, to the disabled person, but it's like, so often, they don't even consent to these videos. Yeah. They're just like taken and shared, and people are like, one like for to say amen for this person. And it's just like, us not being people or seen as people is part of the problem is mm-hmm. the issue you know that's why i work so hard in terms of representation because somebody said to me like so you're just going to keep writing about disabled people i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i am i am going to keep writing about them and they're going to get their happily ever after because that's not what we get instead we get movies and tv shows where we're dead before the credits roll and i don't want to i don't want to keep seeing that and i think that like even if I don't, and I hope this doesn't happen because I really am a hopeless romantic, but even if I never have my own happily ever after with some pretty girl in a clawfoot tub. Mm, that's important. But I want to ha- right? have that for my characters. I want, mm. I want other disabled people to see that it's possible, even if it is in fiction. Because the alternative is like, oh no, I hate myself so much and... I'm willing to die for this non-disabled person's character arc. You know, I'm willing to die so that they can live. Like, I just keep thinking about me before you and how, like, oh my he essentially God. killed himself and, like, was like, I'm going to leave her the insurance money. I'm like, is that romantic? Why is that romantic to people? That was the part in your book that made me laugh out loud is you're like, when we're portrayed in media, we're white men in wheelchairs who hate ourselves. <laughs> I was like, oh Literally, my God. that's it. That's all we get. And I'm like, if the people in these rooms where these things happen knew the people that I know, mm-hmm. they would be they would they would laugh at the idea that all we are is these white guys in wheelchairs who hate themselves and love some non-disabled girl who just sees them as a friend, or they're like <laughs> obsessed with, you know, I want to get laid, and then like some non-disabled person comes in and is like, I'll sleep with you because I feel bad, and it's just like, ew, that's not. I don't find that funny i don't find it like charming i think that like when we see narratives where we're not giving disabled people autonomy over their own stories like i think and i talk about this in the book superstore did it really well where like yeah garrett the actor who plays garrett is not disabled in real life when there's issues with that but i think the show's ability to make him a fully realized person who his disability is the least interesting thing about Mm. him is so cool and it's it's wonderful and it makes me feel like there's hope for a future where we can create stories where somebody does happen to be disabled but that's not their entire personality mm-hmm. and their entire storyline like i love film and tv so much like my dream in life is to see my name under like a created by kia brown or like you know like yeah like to be in something to, to to even act in something would be a dream come true and and i wanted to be characters that feel like real people but they just also happen to be disabled it's not a thing that i want to completely ignore or like just make everything about it but i think to me the reason i'm so interested in creating characters and telling stories where there's a disabled person at the at the forefront is because we have so little you know we have so little and oftentimes we are told stories where, again, it's just a white guy in the world who hates himself. And I think for me, like the way that my CP is, is like I, I walk around every day with a limp 
have delayed motor skills, like my entire right side of my body is slower than the left, right? And you don't see those stories. All you see is like, so, and, it, and it's usually so funny to me because whenever you see a disabled person's story that they didn't tell, that, that's told by somebody who's non-disabled, it's like, the disability is always like vague. No one ever says exactly what it is. Right. You know, it's like, oh no, they're just disabled. And that's all they hear about. They don't, they don't have any interest in movies or TV shows or like comic books or they have no interests. They have no friends except for their random caregiver, who, of course, <laughs> the story is, is focused on, you know, the caregiver yeah. is always the main character. And like, they're just, they, they sit in the dark all day and they're, they're, they're very mean, you know, they're always like, the <laughs> bitter, yeah, are, are very mean and bitter and angry. And I'm like, I usually smile with my entire face. Like, I just, I, I just think it's so funny because I don't know these people that are often being portrayed in media. I don't know, I don't know anybody like that. And I'm not saying that disabled people can't be assholes because trust me, there are a lot of people who are disabled and, and also happen to be assholes. But the idea that like our experience is one of doom and gloom constantly and we don't mm. have lives and we don't have friends and we don't have people who love us and we don't have things that we love is an all around lie. It's just this idea that's being perpetuated because people are so afraid of what they don't know and they know mm -hmm. nothing that's mm -hmm. genuine about disability currently based off of our, you know, pop culture. Like I think um, Ryan O'Connell's special is nice and like- Yeah, I, I really liked his book too. He's really yeah, funny. Like that was really good. And, and there's some like disability representation on, um, the L word, the new, mm -hmm. the new L word, Generation Q. Um, but I think because we're still seeing so little of it, mm -hmm. all these like damaging ideas of disability, it's exhausting. Like I just want to be the girl that talks about how much she loves Paramore and cheesecake and wants to be booed up and talks right. about queerness and talks about like what it means for me to be bi. Like I just want to have fun, and I feel like there isn't enough opportunity for that yet but I, but it's coming i'm gonna make it so i mean i think that that's something that i i thought about reading your book because it's something i've definitely realized more recently especially as i've matured something that like i really took for granted which is that i am someone who like used pop culture and books and like fantasy stuff as an escape when i was a kid from being like socially awkward and shy and like not always having a ton of friends but I took for granted the privilege that I was so easily able to see myself in those books or like apply those like the twilight like what's mm -hmm. different between me and Bella I guess she lives in Washington state like I don't I mean not saying that I'm like <laughs> that I'm as cool <laughs> as Bella but I'm just saying like there was so much for me to look to and like mm -hmm. I think I love that you talked about that with writing your book like providing that for other girls and just other young people growing up who don't have that and have to accept like these storylines that just don't see them yeah you have to find pieces of yourself and people that look nothing like you and i've done that all my life like i was mm -hmm. a really big fan in high school of like sarah desson books oh mm -hmm. sarah desson books ladies and gentlemen yes this lullaby yeah. <laughs> this yeah. lullaby such a good book Sarah Dustin was in her broken bag often, okay? Um, but yeah, it was like always finding myself 
trying to find myself in these books starring these white girls that look nothing like me and then you know being like oh well you know we're both quirky and we both like x y and z because i had to you know like right i stopped seeing black characters in general in the early aughts so and it was just like nearly impossible for all the books and the genres that i like to read to have a black person as the lead in general let alone a disabled one and so Mm. that's why both sam supersedes which is out this august august 23rd and the secret summer promise which is out next year were so important to me because i wrote the books with characters that i wanted to see i wanted to see a young disabled black girl fall in love Mm -hmm. with her best friend and Mm -hmm. and be loved and cheered on by her family and her other friends and 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 you know, I really wanted to see a coming out story that wasn't mm-hmm. so like, <gasps> oh, I'm sober because she came out. And then like, yeah. and it's, you know, it's all bad. And her parents are going to kick her out. Like I wanted, I wanted to give that to the world for myself because I needed it, you know, because I would have loved to have seen, I probably would have come out so much sooner. We had a guest, Jared Goldstein on, who's this great gay comic. And, and it reminds me of what he said about Call Me By Your Name, which he saw like two times in a week. And he said he was so relieved that it wasn't a story about the fear, the trauma around coming out, that it was just this love story that he immediately wanted to go back to. And 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 he expressed the same thing. Like, I am starved for these stories that aren't so centered around me just coming out as gay they're centered around like okay what where is the love story here right and i think that like that was very i was i was thinking about that as well when i was writing the book was like i want their love to make sense that has to make sense to me before anything else and so i literally started the book like crafting what it, why are they friends in the first mm. place what it is that they like about each other why they would make sense Mm-hmm. and then I like worked my way out from there because it's not that those books aren't valuable but I just think we have so many of them that I'm like I don't want to add to that mm-hmm. I'd much prefer for somebody to have a book with a happy like people trash on happily ever after so much um, and I don't know if that that's a whole other podcast episode I'm coming back <laughs> but they Please. they they trash on happily ever after so much because they're like oh my god it's so cliche like I'm a rom-com lover duh that's why I'm here but they trash on them so much because they're like, oh, it's so cliche. Like, that's not realistic. We don't need it to be. We don't we need don't. it to be. These people <laughs> deserve to be loved and they deserve their happy ever after. And I don't care if it's unrealistic that they're that they're together, you know? Like, yeah. let people have this because we know what it's like to not. Mm-hmm. And so why can't we craft a world where, like, yeah, in your wildest dreams, X, Y, and Z can happen, you know? Mm. Like, how often do we do we watch Christmas movies every year where like some girl falls in love with a guy that she didn't know was a prince? Like we know that's not realistic, <laughs> but we love it anyway. Like it's just like to me, telling these stories is a way of giving myself one what I never had, two what I've always wanted, and three just a chance to tell a story about a person or people who we don't often see, but right. still hold just as much value as people that we mm-hmm. see all the time. Like, if you can write another story about some made-up politician and, and the, the woes he goes through while he cheats on his wife, or... <laughs> yeah. Listen, you know, I don't know how much more a slander I can hear on Shondaland. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fitz, or Fitz like, exempted. Fitz exempted. Fitz exempted. Please, let's just be careful. I have yes, watched the I'm one so minute sorry, clips right. on YouTube. Um, but like, yeah, I think if, if we can keep greenlighting stories where like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a movie about a white guy trying to find himself like in his mid thirties and like right. trying to find himself, then we can keep telling stories about people desperate for love and they get mm-hmm. their happily ever after. Like it should be that we can have both. Yeah. Um, like I remember watching, I think his name is Josh Radner, who who was the main character of How I um, Met Your Mother. How yeah. I Met Your Mother, which ooh, that final season. We don't even have the time. Um, <laughs> but he he was like starring in this movie where he was like going back to his former college campus and he like falls in love with this girl who's in college and like the entire movie was just about like him falling in love with this girl who was in college and um <laughs> i remember oh, this god. movie i remember this i don't movie. remember the name of it i don't remember the name of it liberal like, arts i think oh you. god yeah liberal arts and the entire movie is just him figuring out his life and it's like if we can have so many more of those which is like who ted was the entirety of i met your mother but whatever um <laughs> if we can have all of those then we can have movies where like or movies and tv shows where like and books where people get their happily ever after because those are also as unrealistic as telling a story about a guy who's just trying to find himself and he yeah, tries right. to find himself through some college kid. I love that so much. And it reminds me, I was talking to Franklin Leonard, who uh, runs the blacklist. I him. He's so cool. He's so cool. And I asked him, like, what what script are you tired of reading? Because he obviously reads so many. And he was like, I'm t- well, what script am I tired of reading? I'm tired of the stories of middle-aged white guys falling in love with a younger girl who awakens <laughs> them to life. Yeah. And I was like, so that pretty much liberal arts. So I was like, yeah, I completely hear that. You can just see so clearly like a mediocre white screenwriter being like, God, then he falls in love with this like magical cocktail waitress who shows him <laughs> that he's been asleep his whole life. It's here comes the oscar people exactly like no one has told this story before um yeah just speaking of this in your essay pop culture and me sometimes unrequited love story which i love that title yeah talk about escaping into tv shows and your journey with television growing up which i always tell people like television is so important to me and i love that you are obviously you have such a philosopher's mind and you're such an intellectual and i just love the respect that you have for tv and good storytelling because it meant so much to me as um, a young kid who had a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, you know, the way I went to TV was as the way people go to therapy. And like, I know that sounds dramatic, but it just gave me so much comfort. And um, we wanted to ask, like you mentioned, loving good girls, younger, the good place, orphan black killing Eve. What have been some of your favorite TV romance storylines? Oh, I'm so glad we're here. Um, Okay. (laughs) So it hasn't happened yet, but Abbott Elementary is the best mm. show on TV right now. And okay. the slow burn with Janine. Okay. And it, I think his name is like Gregory. I haven't I, watched yet. I see it on TikTok all the time. Everyone's obsessed with Abbott Elementary. It is the best show on TV right now. We did interview Janelle James for this podcast, and she is one of the funniest people I've ever spoken to. And one thing specifically is that 
Devin was talking about how she thought um, her boobs were sagging. And Janelle uh-huh. was like, well, maybe it's because you wear bras. And Devin was like, what? And Janelle was like, yeah, bras make your boobs sag. And Janelle was like, it's the big bra industry has been lying to us. <laughs> I always think about it like the big bra has been lying to She's us. She's hilarious in it. So like, I love that. I love that budding love story. Again, not to go back to Superstore, but the Amy and Jonah over everything to me. Like, wow. The way that that was done was absolutely beautiful. Um, one of my other favorite love stories in the entire world is um, Daniel and Betty on Ugly Betty. Oh, um, love. Yeah, wow. Wait, justice for Ugly Betty because it doesn't get enough recognition and I want it to be, like, is it streaming? It is on Hulu. It needs, it needs to have like a, a a Hulu resurgence where they like paste it on the front page and people start watching it again because it was so good. Oh, yeah, but you said current TV shows. My bad. Okay. Oh, so, no, it doesn't have to be current. I mean, yeah, there's so many TV shows that we want to bring back anyway. Okay, so then obviously we'll pitch because pitch only got one season, but it deserved the world, okay? The chemistry between Kylie Burnberry and Mark Paul Gosseler was just out of this world. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was everything. Um, also, I'm watching this show called Pivoting, which is really, really good. I've seen that. Um, yeah, it's. I like it. It's it's slow, but I like it. It's it's really good. Um, also, I'm watching How I Met Your Father, which is finally getting its footing. Like I'm really, okay. I'm really excited for where they are now. I think it's a little it's a little slow for the first three episodes, but I think if people stick with it. Um, We'll get there. It's worthwhile, and they're getting a second season, so that's good. Um, what else am I watching? Oh, Ghost on CBS, the American version. I never saw the UK, but I like... I heard that's really good. I liked it a lot. It was re- It's really, really well done. Um, I'm watching Sweet Magnolias on Netflix because I thoroughly enjoyed the first season, and I think it's really nice to go back to watching shows where like things neatly wrap up. You yes. Know? They had a wild first season finale but um i'm making my way through the second season and i'm thoroughly enjoying it grace and frankie their friend like that show and the importance that it puts on friendships is one of my favorite things like it is it is up there for me with christina and Mm. meredith because it's just so well done and um i love it so much now there's a lot of tv to watch um i have so many other I don't want to like spend the rest of the <laughs> no no I um but. we're obsessed I mean Friday Night Lights for me the love stories on Friday Night Lights like really Ooh, yes. coach coach and Tammy Taylor is like a love story that I really needed to look up to yes oh yeah oh yeah and speaking of Friday Night Lights because everything is connected to me for some reason um Luke <laughs> and Lorelai Luke and Lorelai on Gilmore Girls don't even get Devin started I have never seen a love that I so desperately needed to happen happen before yes until i watched gilmore girls and even when he like even when luke fumbled the bag and was like oh i don't know if i want you to meet april and <laughs> like that entire storyline trash but trash yeah wow i think so often back to the dream sequence where like she remembers when they go to the restaurant and it's like Luke's version of Luke's. And he says like this thing we're doing here, like I'm in, I'm all in. And she doesn't say anything. And then later she has the dream and she's like, say something, say something. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was everything, everything. Yeah. Everything. I put all my hopes and dreams and they were fulfilled. 
That and also, I don't know. If, I don't know if you two are ever into soap operas, but one of my favorite soap opera couples to ever couple is Teresa and Ethan on Passions. Like, have not seen. We are not soapies, but I do know. But we could Ira be. Matt- Ira Madison, one of my favorite comics right now, is a big soap opera fan. And so I'm like, I have to get into it. Yeah, it was like, I don't even remember. I think it went off when I was still in high school, um, which was like forever ago. But yeah, one of my favorite couples, bar none. Also, I was very much, and I don't know if this is the case for you, Devin, but I was very much a Rory and Jess person. Rory and Jess are the best. And I I think that Devin is going to say something like controversial here. But uh, please Jesse. don't say you like Logan. Please. Okay. Yes. And but I'll say, I would say listen, 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 I'll say that this is something that's wrong with me because I had a problem. <laughs> I had a problem where thank you. Like for a long time, I was interested in guys who were like the popular guys in my high school because I had a wound from them never liking me. So I think uh-huh. when I watched Gilmore Girls in high She's school, sick. I was sick and I thought I thought my mind was twisted and I thought like if Logan liked me I would be happy. I don't know. I will say as I've matured and the most recent time that I rewatched Gilmore Girls in its entirety including the reboot which was maybe a year Ooh. ago, probably the 75th time that I've rewatched it, I did see more of the Jess attraction. And I, I thought today, if I were to be Rory How today... How could you miss it? How could you miss I, an arrow going through I, your heart, Devin? If I were to be in Rory's shoes today, I would probably choose Jess, but he still was toxic towards her. Yeah, he, he's... Yeah, we're not denying that there wasn't fire there. But he's not perfect, but babe, Logan? <laughs> Logan's highlights, first of all, make him, like, immediately, like, no. I, I couldn't. No. I wouldn't be able to look away. No, immediately my dad will sue. Like, no, like immediately, no. No, I can't. I'm like, the actor is so great. Love him. Hope the best. But Logan, no. I'm going to have to start saying my dad will sue. Um. I think, I think actually in my current like phase of my fully realized self, the the man I would most likely end up with is Doyle. And I'm really happy with that. (laughs) And I'm proud of myself for that. Also, I did once see the actor who plays Logan at a movie theater and mm-hmm. he was extremely short and I was sad and also immediately like terrified and sweating and sweated through all my clothes, but I did not interact with him. That's a mood. That's a mood. <laughs> also, um, oh yeah, this is us. I, oh, I, mean, I yes. think this is us. Yes. And speaking of couples that I have put my entire being into, like my personality, Beth and Randall, it for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of my favorite TV couples, period. But I also really love Rebecca and Jack. But yeah, yeah, Beth and Randall, my entire personality, okay? Mm-hmm. My entire hopes and dreams, exactly what I want. Wow, yeah. what a gift to I know. us specifically. It's like we yeah. need to get raised by TV parents yeah. as well as real life parents. Like I need I need to watch these role models. I need to know what that kind of love is like. <laughs> yeah. I never have sobbed so much as the month that the first season of this is us came out constant Ooh. crying like like i never knew possible like i never knew possible i was on my period i got ice cream mm-hmm. i watched this is us and i remember in the middle of it thinking i am so happy right now and yeah. like the stars are aligned the stars are aligned <laughs> this all being exactly i was like so this is actually one of those few moments where everything is right in the world yep kia Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
I feel so fulfilled from this interview and it, you are so easy to relate to. And I'm just uh, really grateful. Thank you for having me. Listen, I've decided, I don't know if you two know this, but like we're friends now. So. Oh! I, so, I like, knew that reading I truly and I'm not just saying this knew that reading your book I was like yeah, yeah this is uh someone who I and I was like how do I say this on the pod like do I start out being like we're friends or yeah do I just tell <laughs> no, her I'm, not right away no, you not right away you gotta play it cool and be like oh hey Kia um <laughs> I have decided I hope this is okay with you Kia but I have decided that you absolutely have to come back on the podcast when both of your books come out please like I'm I'm fully campaigning already i'm gonna start another hashtag oh my god <laughs> speaking please. of which uh can you please tell us uh where to find you on social media and where to get your book yes so i'm on twitter and instagram at kia k-e-a-h underscore maria m-a-r-i-a no it's not my actual middle name long story um long story short it's a nickname that my friend gave me very much um years ago years and years ago and it just stuck so yeah you can find me on instagram twitter and tiktok even though i'm like terrible at tiktoks at kia underscore maria and also at my website kiabrown.com um you can go there to purchase my books on the little like book pages I don't know. I don't have the like links in front of me. Why but... don't you have the exact URL? I got Kia's book on uh, my phone via the Apple bookstore. Yes, both of my books are available. The pretty one is available on Amazon. And also Sam Superseeds is available for pre-order on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Wherever you, if you want to support an indie book, uh, indie bookstore, please do that. They're literally available wherever books are sold. You Woo! can't pre-order The Secret Summer Promise yet, but once you can, I will be the first to let you know. Please buy my books. Like, pre-orders are imperative for authors. So please, if you have a kid in your life that you love or don't love, I don't know what your deal is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, 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 please pre-order and buy them um, Sam Supersedes because whether they're disabled or not, there's something there for them, and I think yep. that they'll really enjoy it. So Absolutely. please get the book. But yeah, my other book is wherever books are sold. I highly recommend it. If you're into audiobooks, I also read the audiobook. Oh, cool. So if you want to like hear my voice say the words I wrote, it's there as well. <laughs> Love that. Thank you both for having me. Now that we're best friends. Now I'll that be we're back. best friends, we can't wait to have you back and catch us next time on True Romance. Thanks, Kia. <laughs> Thank you.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.